The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country. Until a nation comes to time with our problem. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Reverend, good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind, you're so generous, so man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. Doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program wednesday march 8 2023 i'm fascinated by this mayor's concept and he's really focused on it i think every mayor needs a thing They need something that can be their claim to fame, something that creates their legacy, solidifies their legacy. I'd imagine every mayor wants to be a legend for what they did and their unique brand and combination of politics and personality delivers to a municipality. And with Cavalier Johnson, it's it's a very ambitious goal. And you got to have ambition. See, I like that sometimes. Politicians. They suggest stuff that's impossible. Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon. And at the time, people were like, we can't get up there. And then we went. I like big, ambitious goals because then it pushes us to achieve things we never thought were possible. So I like that. But I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you today? We was honest yesterday, wasn't we? Carrie, make yesterday a best of. Why do you make that face? Yesterday was a good show. It was good. You don't like it. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to top it this week. That was some of my my best work. I did a lot of research into yesterday's show. Today, I just I mostly talked to Kyle this morning. So we'll see how this goes. Let me get back on task. Going to the moon in 1969, because Kennedy said that we were going to go to the moon before the end of the decade, for the end of the 1960s. And we just barely made it. I think it was July 20-something, 1969. I wasn't born yet, but it's a very big historical thing. Oh, there's also people that still don't think that we went to the moon. Well, whatever, that's fine. But they set that very ambitious goal, didn't they? The Kennedy administration. We're going to get to the moon by the end of the decade, and we totally did. So American ambition, or at least it used to be, was unmatched. 
no matter what it was, no matter how big it was, we could we could achieve it. But I'll be honest with you. Going to the moon in the 1960s was more attainable than getting the city of Milwaukee to a population of one million, which is what this mayor would like to do. And he says in the article, like, I don't know how to do it. I'm not sure. Nobody has all the answers of how we grow this city to a million people, but it's very ambitious. And I think it shows that there is something that he is focused on and maybe it encourages or inspires his politics to try and get the city to grow to a million people. But I'm, I'm confused by it. I want to talk about it with y'all. First of all, where are we going to put a million people? Now, if you want to grow the county potentially, by a million people. Okay, maybe. But the city of Milwaukee, the most people we have ever, ever, ever had in this city was just under 750,000. And that was in the early 1960s when we were an industrial manufacturing, brewing powerhouse. All that stuff is gone. It's all gone now. That stuff that brought people here is all gone. And I don't know if we have replaced those industries to the level in which they once operated because Milwaukee was a beacon for so many people that wanted work, manufacturing work, factory work, working at the plant, working on the assembly line. There were so many things. It's mostly been replaced by Walmarts, but even the Walmarts are closing. So I don't think that we we have replaced industries because that's what's going to bring people to your area. Also, Good schools. You want to grow Milwaukee to a million people. It's not going to ever happen if your schools are in disrepair and are underfunded. But I got a feeling I'm going to kind of develop this theory to where I hope it makes sense. When MPS was churning out quality graduates year after year, decade after decade, the demographics of the student body was very different, wasn't it? You had specialty schools, health specialties. You had science specialties, agriculture specialties. Vincent High School is a school for farmers. Did you guys know that? It's an agricultural specialty school. It was a magnet school to attract white kids from the surrounding areas to come and diversify the Milwaukee public school system. That was an attempt to integrate the school system by building Vincent way on out, out something in good hope, 90 something in good hope, wherever the hell Vincent is at. I know where it is. I can't exactly tell you the streets, but like 91st and good hope ish is the Vincent high school area. That was a suburb back when they built that school. That was a lot of undeveloped land out there. You see, and it would have been much more palatable to suburban white parents to want to bust their children to Vincent High School as opposed to North Division. But the demographics of MPS have changed dramatically. And when it was a white school district, majority white, of course, it was very well resourced. Isn't that funny how when the black families start moving in and coming to the city, MPS loses all sorts of resources and funding. And now the kids that are coming out of MPS Far too many of them can't even read. They're functionally illiterate. Like they know how to write their name, but they can't read a novel and write a report on the novel accurately reflecting what they read. So that's where we're at now. So you're not growing your city. I don't care how ambitious you are. It's like you're not going to get to the moon without a spaceship. 
Kennedy knew that we had to have a spaceship to get to the moon because he's very ambitious. We're going to get to the moon by the end of the decade. That's where we're going to be. And he said a whole bunch of other stuff in his Bostonian accent. But at least we had spaceships. We don't even have that that cornerstone foundational institution that can bring people to a city. In fact, you are better off leaving the city of Milwaukee to have your children be educated. So that's that's not going to happen. Not anytime soon. So if you don't have good schools, then people are not going to want to come here. But the other thing is, I don't know how we can coexist in this city. Meaning, when when black people move, migrate somewhere, they want to leave the north side where their parents and their grandparents had lived because their parents and their grandparents were stuck because the housing covenants, their parents and grandparents, some black folks, couldn't move out even if they wanted to. Now, in subsequent generations, you can pretty much live wherever you want. Like, legally, you can live wherever you want. Culturally, you may not feel comfortable, but legally, you can go wherever you want to. And when we move out of the central city, the near north side specifically, and move to a neighboring suburbs, the white people move out of the suburbs and go even further away. And so I wonder, can we coexist? So when we move out there, they move out there further. We have these things now called exurbs because people are moving further away from the suburbs. I remember when moving to the suburbs when you were black was moving away. Now it's moving to Washington County. It's moving to Dodge County. It's going to Walworth County. It's going way up. McGuanago, Muskego, all the places far away. So when we move, they move further. But look at the, the inverse. When they move into black neighborhoods because they moved away because of white flight. Now the city of Milwaukee, the downtown is getting all built up. You got a basketball team here that wins many games and wins many championships. Or they come to the Miller Park, I'm sorry, American Family Field, and they watch the Brewers swing their bats and they come to the Summerfest, which is very weird because Summerfest is like three weekends in September or whenever the hell they have it. So that's very different. They come to the Third Ward. They go to Walker's Point. They go to all sorts of things. And those folks who moved away or their parents moved away to the suburbs because so many black people were coming to the city. Now they're coming back. They're coming back to the city. Maybe they're buying condos. Maybe they're buying houses in Brewers Hill, a once dilapidated north side neighborhood where people were selling crack. Now it's very fashionable. Or they're moving on maybe to the east side. Brady Street used to be a dump. Now people are moving over there off of Farwell. Coming back. And so when they move into near north side or near south side neighborhoods and carve out new communities like Walker's Point, then we get displaced. When we as black people move from the city to the suburbs, the white folks that inhabited the suburbs move even further away. Look at brown deer. Brown deer is so black. They've got a black village president. When I lived in Brown Deer, no black people even ran for political office because they would just be laughable. All the black families that lived in Brown Deer knew each other. We could all sit at one dining room table. There was not many of us. Brown Deer has become so black because as black people from the central cities, like, oh, we got to get out of here. We don't want to live on the north side anymore. Let's move to the pristine suburb of Brown Deer. The white folks were like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. We're out of here. We're 
First thing smoking, the walkie shaw, and they got the hell out of here. They moved. Now Brown Deer is just black because all the white people have left. Now it's more and more black people. How do you know it's incredibly black? They got a Walmart. That's how you know. But then when white folks want to move back to the cities that they once abandoned, we get displaced because just their appearance makes property values go up, which is good for the investor, but it also makes your property taxes go up too. Got a lot of black seniors who are just hanging on to the properties that they bought in the 1950s or 60s or 70s. And then white folks come in, property values go up, and they are being displaced. And the city of Milwaukee is now foreclosing on those homes because of delinquent property taxes. So how do we coexist together? Because we can't have the flight syndrome if the city of Milwaukee is going to grow to a million people. How do you have white folks that abandon the city in droves by the hundreds of thousands over the last I don't know how many decades. How do you get them to come back? But then black people and black families not get displaced. How do we coexist? Can you guys name any diverse neighborhoods? I'm talking about 25 percent, 25 percent, 25 percent. Homeowners, not renters, because in rental neighborhoods where the incomes are low and where the rent is cheap, then you're going to have much more racial diversity. But you're not going to have a lot of economic diversity because everybody's going to be middle class or lower. Can you name a neighborhood in this city that's 25% Asian, 25% Latino, 25% black African-American, Negro, and 25% white? Do we have any 25, 25, 25 neighborhoods? No, they don't exist. And so if we don't have 25, 25, 25 neighborhoods, we'll never grow this city to a million people because when white folks come back to the city, the Cavalier Johnson wants to grow to a million people. The black folks leave. And so maybe that's what the the plan is. We just get a bunch of white people to move back, like all the whites that left. If we just emptied out Waukesha and we brought all the white people here. But we need we need an industry, though, too. I mean, freshwater sciences, I think, is an underappreciated industry in Milwaukee. Problem is, we don't talk about it. Like that is what is attracting people from all over the world to this region. A lot of folks are settling in Oak Creek and St. Francis, and they are coming from Chicago, from really all points all throughout the United States. Because the freshwater industry, whether it be travel and tourism and recreation or, you know, all the different things we can do when it comes to uh, science and technology with freshwater, because the world is running out of it. But we are sitting on that resource right here with Lake Michigan. All the Midwest actually can be beacons of industry when it comes to freshwater science, because everybody wants to study this dissipating resource of freshwater. Because you got to keep in mind, as populations continue to grow around the world, the supplies of freshwater are becoming fewer and fewer, but we're sitting on so much because like fossil fuels, we can survive without water. We can't. And so that's a really huge industry. In fact, most of the major colleges and universities, even going as far out as whitewater, but all of them in the area all have advanced degrees in freshwater sciences and freshwater technology because it's a really, really big deal. Very big deal. But that's not an industry that we we as Milwaukeeans really promote. So we need an industry. We would need very, very good schools and we would need to be able to coexist together. And right now, I don't think that we have that. Where is a neighborhood that's 25, 25, 25, 25, Asian, Hispanic, black and white, where people are not killing each other and shooting each other in the face? Like where where is that? Now, if we have a series of those neighborhoods or if that is what the north side becomes or the south side or the west side becomes that 25, 25, 25, 25, then we could grow the city to a million people. But then here's the other thing. If we just want to bring all the white people back, you're going to displace a lot of the black people. You're probably going to displace some of the other Hispanic folks. 
if you bring the white people back. But white people are older and less fertile and are having less kids. So you can't increase the city's population long term by inviting back or encouraging an older, less fertile population that has less kids. The only way, only way you can grow Milwaukee to a million people is if you bring more minorities here. But what minority that lives anywhere else in the country reads about Milwaukee and says, I want that place. I Oh, they have a streetcar? Jerome, Tyrone, Kawanda, let's move to Milwaukee. I want to talk about that. What the hell can we do to grow this city to a million people? What do we have to offer? Let's talk about 833-212-1017, Most of y'all are planning your exit to Milwaukee, but Mayor Cavalier Johnson, might, he might build a wall to keep y'all in. The truth was sure when he was on the new 1017 FM. We'll be right back. It's the truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. How do you think we can grow the city of Milwaukee to a million people? I can see the benefits of it. Milwaukee would be politically even more powerful. We're a 70 plus percent Democratic voting city with 577,000 people. If you essentially double the population of the city of Milwaukee politically, we would run this state. Just like Democratic candidates for president. Think about this now, because, you know, the presidential election is going to start like this summer. That's when you're going to start hearing more Republicans come out of the woodwork announcing they're seeking the nomination by their party to run against Joe Biden, assuming that Joe Biden runs again. He hinted to the firefighters union that he he didn't say it specifically or explicitly, but Joe Biden loves the firefighters union. In fact, I found out that Joe Biden was running for president from members of the firefighters union here in Wisconsin. I don't know what it is about old Joe Robinette that loves him some firefighters, but that's when I it was April of 20 must've been 2019 where he announced to the firefighters union or someone here in Wisconsin. It was Malin Mitchell who was the president of the firefighters union here told me that Joe Biden was going to be, seeking the Democratic nomination in 2020. So he had made some some mention to the Firefighters Union he was going to run again. So, yeah, the presidential contest is going to be coming up. So, Illinois. No Democratic candidates or Republican candidates campaign in Illinois. They never do. You ever notice that? Really California or New York either because their metro areas, their populations are so big and so Democratic that how the rest of the state votes doesn't matter. And California's got major conservative pockets. Orange County, they may have voted for Biden, though, against Trump. And at some point, we got to talk about Tucker Carlson and Fox News. They played people to listen to Fox News, to watch Fox News. Y'all got played. They lied to you. They lied to you and knew they were lying to you. 
Tucker Carlson admitted he hated Trump. He hates that man, but still sang his praises. Why? Because there's a cohort of people who are so, and God bless them, that are so sad, lonely, and ignorant that they believe everything coming out of the anchors on Fox News' mouth, even if it wasn't true, they lied to you intentionally. I had to take a sidebar on this because this makes me very, very angry. Because if you have the opportunity to work in this industry, you owe people honesty. You owe them truth. You owe them fact. They disregarded all of those journalistic principles just to lie to people, to keep them complacent and to sell people my pillows. Fox News is an enemy of the state. It's an enemy of democracy. It's an enemy of the American people. Full stop. They lied with intention, intention to deceive everything about Trump, his agenda. January 6th, they lied. People that genuinely hated Donald Trump sang his praises just to continue to lie to the American people because they were worried they would lose their viewers if they started becoming honest about Donald Trump. Do you know that at the cornerstone of every single democracy where democracies are strongest, education levels and critical thinking are the highest. You cannot have a functioning democracy if you've got a bunch of ignorant people. It literally doesn't work, and I'm seeing that happen here in the United States. It is crumbling our democracy because if you have smart people and intelligent people and critical thinking people and people that actually know how to do research instead of telling people, do your research. Whenever I hear somebody saying that, I already know they're stupid. Nobody knows how to do research unless you're a damn scientist. Unless you studied how to do research, Googling is not research. Research is painstaking. Research takes a long time. Typing in some stuff that you misspelled and seeing what the Google results are is not research. It's called being lazy. So I, I'll, I'll dedicate more time to that later because that it discredits all of us that pride ourselves on providing information and facts to people so people can better their lives. The Fox News hosts almost in concert maintain lies against the man that they actually hated. That's what I find so fascinating because I tried to empathize. Like, how could I sing the praises of someone that I admittedly hate? I couldn't. I'd quit my job first. If they said, Sherwin, I want you to just, you got to promote Donald Trump. You got to uh, soften your language on him. You got to be very sympathetic toward him. Uh, make him look like the victim. Always talk up everything that he does and make sure you cover him um, in a particular way that does not harm his image. I would quit that job. I'd, I'd go live on the streets and sell my body for money. I could get a lot of money for my body. I could very, get very many dollars for this beefcake I got. I'd sell hot beef injections before I worked for a news or media company that told me to support someone that I fundamentally hated. I couldn't do it. I'm getting off the point. I'll talk about Tucker Carlson later and all the Fox News people. And I listen, I get mad. I can't stop talking about it. I get mad when smart, critically thinking black people go to Fox News to get their information and then they promote it to black people. That's not, we, that's, you, can't, you can't do that. Can't do it. Okay. 
if we grew the city of Milwaukee to a million people, we would have an amount of political influence that the rest of the states could not match. So politically, it'd be fantastic. Here's the other thing. If we grew this city by 500,000 more people, think about the taxes we would collect. Think about the property taxes we would collect. Think about all the new revenue that we would have. Think about how much more. It's basically doubling the spending of the city of Milwaukee. Because right now we're just under 600,000 people, 577, 580,000 people here. If you double that to a million, that's more people buying things. There'd be more shops. There'd be more stores. There'd be more boutiques. There'd be more industry here because you would have a whole nother consumer market moving to this city. We would be very, very powerful here, meaning that Milwaukee would set the political agenda for the rest of the state. Because if we grow this single municipality to one million people and it's 70 percent Democratic in every single election, the Democrat who was running statewide or the uh, left leaning candidate would win. And that would change the whole political trajectory of this state that would be fantastic but i just don't know if you can get more minorities to move to milwaukee what do we promise black people besides racial profiling like what what do we promise them besides lackluster public schools what do we like what are we offering if somebody is considering where to go and you got to be clear you cannot grow the population of this city by bringing white people here because white people are older and they have less kids and they are less fertile. The only way you can grow this city to a million people is by bringing minorities here because minority populations are still climbing. They're having more kids and there are more minorities who are in what we call the pre-reproductive ages. So they're not even at the age in which they're going to start having kids. So as time goes on, those populations are naturally going to grow at the same time that white Deaths are outpacing white births in 26 states. Literally half the country, more white people are dying than being born. So there's that. So how do you bring, what do we need here? So I've often talked about this. We need a center of black arts and culture. Bronzeville is looking good. It, it's it's still trying to figure out its identity. There's what Bronzeville was, but then there's what it potentially could be. We need a a cultural mecca for black people, more than just a neighborhood, businesses, schools, institutions, art galleries, all that. We need all of those things because if you're black and you move here, where do you go? If you want to have a good dinner, you want to go have a good time in a classy, let's say an upscale environment. Cause if you're moving, assuming you can move anywhere in the country, including places that are way more expensive and if you come here, like you want to be rewarded with things. You want to go places, have a good time, feel comfortable, see people that look like you. Where where do you go? So we still have yet to create all of that. But before we get to all of that, cultural attractions and cultural amenities, what can we do to bring more minorities to Milwaukee if we are serious about growing the city to a million people? Because I can see the benefits of it. I really can having Milwaukee be the political center of the state of Wisconsin, where there's so many people here and it's such a democratic city that whoever is running for whatever statewide office, including presidential candidates could reliably count on the Democrats winning. Cause if Milwaukee grows to a million people, then Milwaukee show won't even matter anymore. 
In fact, we might as well just annex Waukesha. We just buy it for very cheap, probably. We probably can get Waukesha for like $95 or $100. What can we do to bring more minorities to the city of Milwaukee? What do we need to offer? You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 1017 FM. I'll be right back. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Boozilla, baby. Part of Milwaukee booms as another shrinks. Can enough neighborhoods turn around to grow the population? From the rooftop of Ascent MKE, Milwaukee's new 25-story mass timber apartment tower. Residents have a panoramic view of the city. The skyline is studded with new buildings, sleek apartments, impressive complexes. From here, Milwaukee looks like a city on the rise. And that's what Mayor Cavalier Johnson saw at a sense grand opening last year. Mayor says, everybody I met, let me read it like him. Uh, everybody I met from the elevator on up was from some other place. Folks were from New York City. They're from Missouri. They're from California. Mayor Johnson wants more of this, people moving in and buildings rising up. It's in line with one of his more audacious campaign talking points that he envisioned a future Milwaukee growing to a population of more than one million people. It's a goal that many dismissed as political rhetoric, if not eye-rolling fantasy, and Johnson is the first to admit he doesn't have all the answers. In fact, no one does. But the Milwaukee mayor hasn't backed away from it now that he's in office. Uh, I think it's important for us to be ambitious, he said. I think it's important for us to have a dynamism, 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 <laughs> and vibrancy to our city. Did he really say that? Dynamism, dynamism. There we go. In the end, maybe that sense of dynamism and vibrancy is more important than any specific measuring stick. But numbers do tell a story and they raise a question. Can the city of Milwaukee finally turn around and grow in a meaningful way? We have to remedy some stuff. How come we can't coexist together? Why is it when we move in, they move out, and when they move back, we get displaced? That's not a formula for growth. That's a formula for one side being the dominant ethnicity in a neighborhood. Because there are neighborhoods that used to be exclusively black and unwanted, that are now upscale and white. Brewers Hill is just one of many examples. There are suburbs that used to be exclusively white. Now they're so black, they have black political representation like brown deer. That's because as we moved out there, more and more white people moved further and further away. Why can't we coexist together? And I also think that is one of the unintended consequences of segregation. 
even generations later, people still don't want to live by one another. And I'm watching my neighborhood get gentrified slowly, very slowly. I moved into my house 19 years ago, and it was fairly mixed, a working-class neighborhood on Milwaukee's north side. And then I saw the last of the white people leave, except for I got a neighbor that lives two houses down. And she had been there with her family. Oh, my goodness. They probably moved to that neighborhood in the probably late 60s, early 70s, when it was a white neighborhood. And and they stayed. They just Now she's very old. She doesn't walk very well. She's a very old lady. I think her husband passed away, actually. So she's just there in this house by herself. But she's the last Caucasian person until a white lady. She's young, younger-ish, probably late 20s, early 30s. She moved in in this beautiful house across the street that a city worker used to live in that house. And he moved further away. And then this white lady moved in. And then she recently got married. And here is why that gives me caution. Because I don't I don't care that the white folks move into my neighborhood, especially if that means that my property values are going to go up, which is crazy. Because you would think that Sherwin-Hughes would make the property values explode. Because who doesn't want to live in a neighborhood with me? You know what I mean? Like, who doesn't want this? In their neighbor, who doesn't want to smell my barbecue? You know, you would think that just the appearance of me, like when realtors show houses in my neighborhood. Oh, and here you have the irreverent Sherwin Hughes. Here is his estate. That's where he lives. Might see me outside walking around the yard wearing some slippers that don't match in my boxer shorts because I'll do that. I, look, I've been in my house damn near 20 years. I will walk outside in some boxer shorts and some slippers that don't match and ain't nobody going to say nothing. But here's what I fear because I've read about gentrification and some of the unintended consequences of it. Because we sometimes think, oh, it's a great thing. People that moved away from the neighborhood or their parents or grandparents moved away from the neighborhood, but the kids and the grandkids are moving back into the neighborhoods that were abandoned by their parents and grandparents because the parents and grandparents were white flyers. Like white flight caused them to leave, but now the kids and the grandkids are coming back. And so I was like, oh, this is great. They're going to come back to the black neighborhood and get to know black people. We're all going to barbecue together. The white people are going to bring potato salad. Just going to have what they'll do now is the raisins are now on the side. I think that the whites have learned that no one likes raisins in their potato salad. So what they do is they'll make the potato salad, and I here I got a box of raisins, sun-made raisins on this. If you want to add them, they're a nice garnish. But what we find with gentrification, which is a racially charged word is that when white people move into black neighborhoods, they are more likely to call the police on their neighbors. Not less likely, not I want to be a part of the community. I want to understand people. I want to get to know the culture. Because a lot of things that we do as black folks, that's just normal to us. Like everything about how we move, how we act, how we interact, how we express our feelings, our emotions, and our excitement. If you haven't grown up around black people. I'm not even talking about just working with black people because we have to be very sterile sometimes at work and in corporate and office environments. I mean, you got to grow up with black folks to really understand how we communicate. Right. And like the, the double meanings sometimes when we speak, like you got to know black folks to really understand that. And so what we do and how we do it and how we communicate and how we act and how we interact can be very intimidating to white people because a lot of them can misinterpret it as aggression. And I think there's actually policies that exist because a lot of white folks misinterpret our excitement and our animations for violence 
That's why you got school to prison pipeline. Sometimes when black kids act in a particular way, oh, you got to remove my, oh, no, got to get out of here. No, you got to send him to the principal. No, no, he's acting unruly. No, you got to put handcuffs on him. We sometimes are criminalized for just being us. But here's the crazy part. When we are around us, it's normal. But when they move in, they clutch their pearls. Like, oh, we should call the police. So that's why I tend to have a problem when they move into my neighborhood. And I've expressed it to y'all on more than one occasion because here's what they do. Tell you what they do. You want to know what they do? They walk their dogs. But the radius in which they walk their dogs begins to expand. Or they want to check out a new neighborhood, you see, where they might be wanting to move to. I see them. They always got golden retrievers. And sometimes you can't tell the white woman from the golden retriever because you don't know who's walking who. They both got blonde hair. Golden retrievers are blonde dogs. Are they not? They are. They're blonde dogs with wavy hair. And I see them. They walk through or, or, or they jog. Black people don't really jog. <laughs> we run. Absolutely. We're very fast. But we don't jog. But I'll see them. They got their their Beats headphones on and their, with their earbuds or them headphones that wrap around the back of the neck. And they're, <laughs> and they're, and they're jogging and, and they're checking out the neighborhood. I get worried. Because first you see them walking the dogs. Then you see them jogging. Next thing you see, Mayflower Movers, the moving truck of the U-Haul. Take a break, come back, read a couple of text messages at 833-212-1017, Is there anything that we can do to get us to coexist together? Or we all can live in neighborhoods that are very racially diverse, that are middle income or higher, lower income, where rent is cheap, you're going to have a diversity of people. Absolutely. When I was growing up, the South Side, there was nobody lived on the South Side but Latinos and a few surviving Polish white people. But that's actually further south and west is where the Polish people were. But the near south side was almost universally Latina and like Mexican. Because the Puerto Ricans lived on the east side. There was Puerto Rican neighborhood off of Holton. That's where the Puerto Ricans live. I like the Puerto Ricans because they're actually black Hispanic people. And Puerto Ricans like us. Mexicans, not so much. You guys know that? White people, do you know that Latinos have different attitudes and opinions about us. Do you know that Mexicans and Puerto Ricans, they've got like a, I don't want to call it a rivalry. I don't want to call it a feud. It's kind of like a cultural war. Do you guys know that? And the Puerto Ricans and black people, like we're best friends, but the Mexicans, they don't really like either of us. The truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Carrie, there's a man. Can you see him? Out here in the window, he's... He's drilling. He's got a drill. Now he's looking at me and nodding. What is he drilling? And is he trying to kill me? Is he trying to break this glass? What is he? Can you see him? I can't ask him. I'm on the air. All right. Do you know that this glass is soundproof? Did you know that? There was somebody that was on the other side of the glass and I was screaming at the top of my lungs, like screaming and they couldn't hear me. So just 
wanted you to know that. Our phone number here is 833-212-1017-833-212-1017. The caller says, Professor Hughes, maybe Chevy is planning to populate Milwaukee with Ukrainian refugees and people who are waiting at the Mexican border. Hmm, what do you think? I, um, I don't mind the Ukrainians, actually. They're okay. I know a Ukrainian person. In fact, she is from, well, at the time it was called Kiev. Now it's called Kiev. She was a nice lady. She, she talked like this. Sherwin, I love Milwaukee. I love this place. Yes, Milwaukee. She's a very nice lady. Let's talk to a very nice man. and His name is Derek. You're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you? I'm doing well, Sherwin. I'll try not to be long if you can hold me over time. Anyway, I think they had the same situation uh, when I was uh, when I was a child here in Colorado. A lot of the white people left, and then the neighborhood became mostly black. And now, uh, fast forward, now the black people have left and sold their homes and moved to other places. And now, I, my friend, um, my yeah, Roger was telling me who lived on my same block my cousin lived on. Ninety uh, percent of the people on there are uh, are uh, are, uh, are white, and that's a pretty amazing thing, considering that. Uh, um, but somebody was telling me the reason why they're moving back in some of the year older homes, older neighborhoods, is because the homes are uh, are better made, my understanding. And they're they cheaper. That's right. Yeah, the craftsmanship is impeccable. Yeah, they, and that's what somebody was telling me. It's not so much they want to live around. I mean, they, these homes that uh, if you go to the homes in the suburbs, they're okay. But as far as quality and craftsmanship and being built as materials, this is when they were building homes that would last for hundreds of years and that's everything right. else like that. That's true. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why white people are moving back in. I don't know about cheaper, at least here. But uh, I can say also, they, uh, uh, somebody had told me uh, years ago that the, a lot of the white people are starting to lose their fear of black people, too. Now, they don't tell you that, but they are, because they realize that uh, they got uh, shafted, too. Because uh, when they moved out of these areas, and then they realized that uh, wherever they have, there are people, there are going to be problems. It's not just black people. But... Uh, but they're they they uh, do they're pretty analytical and they're pretty uh, they study things. It's uh ah, this house is uh, made of this, this house is there, and I get this and they get that, and uh, so but they're they're losing their fear of uh, black people. This is what I'm finding across the country. When I was in L.A., when I was in uh, um, uh, Denver or Aurora or any place in Colorado. That's interesting. I mean, losing their fear. fear of black people. Yeah, I don't know he, if they were ever really afraid of us, but they didn't want their kids growing up with black kids. They didn't want their kids to be influenced by black people. They also didn't want their property values to go down. But I don't know if it's, I think they they were afraid of us like homophobics are afraid of gays. I don't think homophobics are afraid of gays. They're just ignorant and bigoted. So, but yeah, I don't know if they, because well, they can I just always call the police. And if the police don't come, they can just, they can kill us. And not really get in trouble. So I don't know if it's ever been fear. 
No, but some guy was telling me that that was in the 80s here. And I said, wait a minute, what's going on? I said, and the people were saying the same thing here in the 80s. And I said, I know a lot of uh, Caucasian people moving in. He says, well, the white people are losing their fear of black people. And uh, then they realized that, uh, uh, that, that, like you said, there's a quality of the homes. The homes are older. And then a lot of these, like Brewer Hill, it's probably here. It's probably close to downtown. And they're probably are giving them a lot of, uh, uh, what do they call them, uh, grants and everything to fix up these older homes. Mm-hmm. And these homes are uh, beautiful uh, when you look at them, uh, the, the Victorian, Edwardian, Queen Anne-style homes. They have them here and they have them in uh, Milwaukee. And ours are made of brick. Yours, I think, are made of wood or something like that. Oh, we, it's but, Cream uh, City it's Brick. A, it's a... Uh, a beautiful light tan yeah. brick they get from the limestone found at the bottom of Lake Michigan. But we do have some similarities, I suppose, in the demographic shifts in our respective towns and our respective states. Derek, thank you for your call. Thank you. All right, then, Derek. I'll be honest with y'all. Derek has been calling me at three different radio stations for almost the last 10 years, and his brother has never lived in Milwaukee. I don't even know how the hell he's found. In fact, it's two hours earlier, and it's 8.54 in Colorado, or is it 9.54? So I don't even know how to. Shout out to Derek. Um, You know what, the caller, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be recruiting people from the Mexican border and Ukrainian refugees to make Milwaukee grow to a million people. We're going to have to get people from somewhere. Mike from Mill Road says, Menominee Falls, question mark? Have black people moved out to Menominee Falls? They have, haven't they? Yes, they have. They have. In fact, I think I know a couple few families that lived in Menominee Falls. We used to go to a bowling alley when I was in high school in Menominee Falls called Petroff's. And it was a video game arcade. Because we got tired of going to the Brown Deer Lanes because that's where we would go bowling. I don't know what the hell it is about kids and bowling. And most of the time, I wouldn't even bowl. I would just go to the bowling alley. What a weird and seedy place to hang out. So when we got tired of going to Brown Deer Lanes, we would go to the Petroff's bowling alley. And for a, and we were a mixed race group. Like It was friends that I went to high school with and I played football with. And we never had any problems because I certainly would have remembered them. So I'm wondering, Mike from Milroader, is is Menominee Falls becoming the new brown deer where black folks like you can move to brown deer like you can be a black person that does not want to live around black people. It's a very real phenomenon, just like rich white people don't want to live around poor white people because they fundamentally hate their poor. They may hate their poor. More than black people hate our poor because our poor are still like our relatives and family members cousins and nieces and nephews but they really really hate their poor so if black people want to leave a black neighborhood and brown deer is too black for them are they now moving to Menominee Falls causing white folks in Menominee Falls to move even further away here's what I'll say about all points Waukesha County Waukesha County has got some selling points the property taxes I don't even understand how the property taxes on four and five and six and seven hundred thousand dollar houses anywhere in Waukesha County property taxes like four grand, five grand a year makes no sense. I was looking at condos the other day, downtown condos and condos on the river. 
$80,000 for property taxes. I mean, it was a million-dollar condo, but whatever. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be back for hour two.